quick fun fact about Cole before we get started. Cole doesn't have water bottles at his house. You know how a lot of people have like Yetis or they have like a water bottle that they use. Cole just has like these, what are they, like 48 ounce like Dasani old water bottles that you just continuously fill up. Oh, there it is. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, Well, I just don't have to go and refill every time, you know? Well, but I mean, you could just buy one of those. And now, like, do you wash those out ever? Yeah, it's water. I mean, they kind of (laughs) wash themselves out, really. So so you kind of are under the impression that any kind of water filtration system is just a scam. You know, Bobby, you're going to want that additional like fluoride and toxins and things in your water to kind of build up that immune system. Otherwise, the first time you go and have some tap water, you're like, oh, what is this? Now me, no, I'll be nice and callous to it all. So it won't affect me. At least that's I my am, I am of that same mind. You know, like a lot of people want their kids to, you know, not get dirty and stuff like that. With my nieces, I just want to like push them down into the ground. Be like, yeah. Hey. You would get a bag of mulch, you toss it on them as soon as they come over. You're like, hey, get used to it. You know, you got to build up a little bit of a, you know, an endurance to this. You know, a yeah. Tolerance. Well, speaking of being outdoors and getting dirty, we've got uh, a special guest with us on the podcast today, uh, Bo Lowry from Wild Birds Unlimited. That's a horrible segue, but we'll keep going. So, uh, um, first off, Bo, thank you so much for joining us. And if you wouldn't mind just doing a brief uh, introduction of yourself and of Wild Birds Unlimited, and then we'll get started from there. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, really fun to be here. Um, I'm Bo Lowry. I'm Vice President of Marketing for Wild Birds Unlimited. And we are a uh, 41-year-old brand at this point um, with about 350-ish plus uh, retail locations around the U.S. and Canada. And um, we're all about backyard bird feeding. So we really are focused on helping you find joy in your backyard environment by inviting birds into the backyard. And um, we um, have been doing that for a long time and just enjoy really connecting people with nature in that way. So technically it could be worse. I could be drinking out of my bird bath in my backyard. You could, but- uh, Comparatively speaking, water bottles aren't all that bad, right? <laughs> Probably not as bad, no. <laughs> all right. So we have a 41-year-old brand. Um, you've been there for, was it, was it 23 years? Yep, 23 years. So, I'll be celebrating 24 this fall. Yep. That's awesome. Congratulations. So yeah, I'm only, I'm only 35, of... so, you know, I started early. So Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> So give us a little bit of a background, a history lesson of where you were 23 years ago, where Wild Birds Unlimited was, like kind of what the initial stages in marketing specifically looked like for you. Yeah, you know, when I, um, when I joined the company, I was in more of a communications role, although at the time, the, the kind of the marketing team wasn't really um, moving into digital as much. So the communications team kind of owned like the web and and uh, we kind of pioneered email marketing for the company all those sorts of things and and um you know it was just the beginning it it was very much a a time period when i mean I, i distinctly remember um you know going to a conference pretty early on in my career at, at, at Wild Birds Unlimited and 
hearing about this email marketing thing and, you know, coming back to, to uh, my boss at the time and saying, you know, hey, I, I think this might be something that we want to look at and there might be something in it for us. Um, you know, I remember when we, we first started trying to add email marketing, um, you know, having a conversation with some of our franchisees just about, well, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's mostly text-based, but this new technology will allow us to put pictures in the emails. And do you guys really think you want that? And they were like, no, nobody'd want to see pictures in emails. And, you know, it was just, it was a whole different world. And, and uh, obviously, you know, we, we evolved and, and kept up with the times, but, you know, just to kind of put that in perspective of that's really where the mindset was at the time. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool to see. Yeah. I'd almost love to see like a timeline of like what email marketing was like back then and then like how it's progressed over the years and what it is now for you guys. That'd be very cool. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely gone through lots of phases. Um, you know, we we hooked up with Exact Target back in the day. Now, you know, they acquired by Salesforce, but we we were their first uh, uh, enterprise customer ever. And so um, we've been using that tool from, from way back in the day and learned along the way with it. And, and it's evolved significantly, obviously, with, with all the different tools they've added and capabilities. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but email is dead. So yeah, I hate to be the one to There's no, you can't get any revenue from it, actually. It's, <laughs> it's just completely gone. I love, the, I love the thought, too, of, you know, how many of us are visual learners or like, or like, like to see things visually and when the option for images and email was was proposed no 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 let's just keep it all text well, it seems so intrusive oh i know <laughs> i know absolutely so let's jump into a quick fun fact about birds Absolutely. You know, birds are um, really fascinating. It's, it's, I think, one of the things that's always fun to see when we work with, uh, you know, companies and when we work with our customers and our retail stores is just kind of the light bulb moment of, man, there's something more to birds than just what I thought. You know, once you start to dig in and you learn a little bit about their anatomy and about their behaviors, and uh, it's pretty cool. But one of my favorite birds is the hummingbird. And there are lots of really cool things to know about hummingbirds, but I think one of the things that um, I love the most is just they're really the only bird that can fly backwards. They can fly upside down, and it really all has to do with a, a, a shoulder joint that they have that's different from most other birds out there in the wild. So if you ever see a bird, you know, hummingbird, and it's hovering, and, and you watch, and it'll like back up, you know, put it in reverse and back up. Nobody else can do that in the bird world. That's crazy. So they're like the F-35 of birds. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're almost a UFO among the bird life. Right? Oh, yeah. That's probably, a better, that's probably a better analogy. I don't know that F-35s can fly backwards. So I, I, don't I was going to get ready. I was going to get ready for some like Tom Cruise, Maverick, Top Gun like analogies. But I was like, yeah, backwards thing. I was like, well, they, you know, they do go pretty fast. I mean, the other, the other really cool thing about them, I mean, you think about what's it take to hover in midair? And, uh, you know, they're, they can, their wing beats up to 20, between 20 and 80 times a second. If you think about just how crazy fast that is. Wow. That's absurd. I so love hummingbirds. Gonna... They're also, they're, they're very hard to, uh, you don't see them very often. So when you do see them, it's pretty exciting. Well, it all depends on the habitat, you know? I mean, if you put out the uh, right kind of uh, native plants that have the kinds of flowers they're attracted to, and you put out a 
put out a hummingbird feeder with some nectar in it and you'd be surprised. It's uh, been really fun. I've got a relatively new member of my team and uh, one of the first things that she's done as she's getting in, we, we always say, you know, you're going to come work for us. We'll, we'll turn you into a bird geek before it's over. And uh, she's, it's happening. You know, she, one of the first things she did is she went out and got a, a hummingbird feeder, put it up on her window. And the joy in her face when she told me that she got her first hummingbird was just, you know, it's really, it's what we do this for. It was, it was really fun to see. It's really, and you're right though. It's like, it's, I think hummingbirds especially are just kind of so odd and different that like we always had hummingbird feeders around, you know, my, our, our house as kids, but like every time one would roll, which was almost, you know, once a day, every time one would roll up, it was like, shh, it's here, it's here, it's here. Like, <laughs> like, like, like we haven't seen this every day since growing up here, but it's still just something cool to see. And, you know, even, and, and the, the rare occasion that they'll actually stop you know, and yep. post up. I was like, wow, that's, you know, it's, it is, they're very cool. But I, I like, so like uh, this, we, we talked about this concept of uh, every time we hear that little chirp noise, uh, a fun fact, just because what we found out from talking to Bo before this was she is just a walking encyclopedia of knowledge of really cool random facts. And if you know anything about this show, you've ever heard anything on it before, uh, we love random facts. So uh, that'll be some good, uh, at least fun knowledge that we can kind of plug in here. So. So, Bo, you mentioned that uh, you've been with Exact Target for a while, and you guys started on the email um, trend, which has seemed to catch on pretty well. Yeah. When, uh, when what's what's been the kind of the the transformation, which is a overused word for sure, but the maturation of the the marketing strategy and execution that you guys have had over the last twenty three years or so. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's kind of gone in waves. I mean, we when we very first started. Um, using those tools. One of the things that we liked about it um, was once we finally realized we should show our customers pictures, that is, you know, is, is really we could do some things for our franchise store owners, um, put some tools in their hands that gave them um, the ability to really convey that messaging about what's happening with local birds. Um, but, you know, we, we, went through a process where we had either the, the lock and publish model where, you know, we create the content is sort of locked down um, and realized pretty quickly that, especially in, in our world, birds are different in every region. And so we really needed to enable our franchisees to change that out if needed and, and really creating that um, local connection. They needed the tools to talk about what was happening in their local area, talk about local, um, you know, uh, community events, things like that. So, you know, we did go for a time where we did an on your behalf versus you have the tools model. Um, we would tell, have our franchisees say, do you want us to send for you or do you want to send on your own? And it was kind of equally split at the time. We didn't have nearly as many uh, stores. And so it, over time, it became kind of hard to manage on the side of us pushing the button for them. Um, and we moved into a different model of here is what we do from a, we create an annual marketing plan now for our, our whole system. And we say, kind of keeping with the hummingbird theme, you know, and April, May, hummingbirds are back in most parts of the US and Canada. That's a cool bird to tell a story about. Here's the email we've pre-built for you about hummingbirds. 
you can send it as is, or you can add to it and, and put your local content in there. Or if you don't like that at all, you can just create your own thing. We did that for a number of years and it worked pretty well. But what we started to see is over time, it was almost like, and no disrespect at all to our franchisees, but it was kind of like giving an adult a coloring book. They, they love to, to like change the font color and and they, they, because they could make the background of a fuchsia, they would, you know, and it becomes comic sans. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and you would just grab, you'd get these emails in your inbox and you think, oh, and you know, somebody just spent all this time and they were very proud of it, but it just didn't represent the brand. Right. And so that was another kind of step in our evolution was just saying, hey, this is the brand. These are the fonts, these are the colors, these are the things that we, we're gonna kind of zone in on. And we're now in more of a mode where we continue to create those emails as part of an, a marketing campaign every month, but we've moved into offering journeys. And so using Journey Builder, um, you know, where we're saying it is almost kind of come full circle, but in a much more sophisticated way where we're now we're pushing the button for them, but it's more automated. So we have, you know, a number of our store owners will say, yep, I want to opt into the journey about hummingbirds. I don't want to think about it. I've looked over the content. It's good for me. And we push, you know, it's scheduled as part of a journey. And uh, it's really working a whole lot better for us in that regard. So how, how do you, um, do they have access at all to marketing cloud anymore? The franchisees? Absolutely. Yep. Every, every franchisee has a login. They have full control to do whatever, you know, they can, again, use our stuff or they can create their own press okay. set and do all that. Yep. And then for, um, as far as access is concerned, do they each have their own individual business units or they are they do. shared? Okay. Yep. They each have their own business units. Um, now we roll up the, for example, the, the subscribers, roll into a, a master data extension at the parent level that we use for those journeys. Um, but they still have their own, um, it's more data extension driven now than lists. We, we still have some people using lists, but- um, Oh no, oh no. Yeah, yep, lists and groups, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've moved away from it though. That's good. I, I'd be, it'd be cool to see if you guys run a report of what your master data extension was, the count was when you started versus what it is now. Yeah, it's, it's grown exponentially. I mean, I think when I started, you know, 23 years ago, I was trying to think earlier, I think we had roughly like 160 some odd stores and now we're at like 360. So, you know, oh, it's just, you just think about each per each one of those stores and growing their subscriber list over time. It's a lot more, a lot more reach. Yeah, think, thinking about the franchise piece of it, uh, what what's the hardest part about leading marketing for a franchise business? Is it that dichotomy you mentioned earlier of you know you want people to have kind of a, a local flair of for their for their store, but also make sure they stay on brand, or what is it? Yeah, that is a huge one, and um, you know we've we've worked really hard through the years. I mean, we um, we we're very. Uh, sensitive to the fact that you know not every place has cardinals for example that's a really good example a cardinal is is a beautiful bright red bird everybody understands it and identifies with it it doesn't really exist west of the rockies and so you know it we unfortunately we don't get to use it as much 
Um, and, and we try really hard to find those birds and, and the topics that work most places, but we, we can't ever hit that 100% of the time. And so um, it's really then providing some additional content, additional resources for those areas where we don't really hit the mark on that. Um, and then there's always just that part of, hey, even if you don't have a cardinal and you live in Seattle, it's still really cool to learn about it. And, and it's still okay that you see it, you know? And so I think some of that philosophy um, has taken time uh, to kind of get across to franchisees and have them buy in and understand that and, and really balance that with, but they're the local experts about birds and they really want to show the birds that are in their area. So that, that's kind of an ongoing challenge, I think, with a franchise system like ours. Hey. Time for another bird fun fact. Time for another one. Well, you know, um, I'd say another one of my favorite birds, uh, bird families in general, are woodpeckers. And there are lots of them. Um, and the one thing that I think is always interesting, if you really stop and think about a woodpecker slamming his head into a tree to drill a hole with a beak on his face, to get an insect out, right? So why doesn't his his brain just get concussed crazy and just he's yeah. not just stars, right? And, and it's really because their physical adaptation is that their brain is cushioned in a pocket of air and spongy content. And if if somebody really goes and runs into a brick wall, if I just run at top speed and run into a brick wall, that's what it's like for a humming, for, I'm sorry, for a woodpecker's head. So they've really got that adaptation. So NFL helmet engineering should really look to the woodpecker. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Do you think that the NFL has uh, contacted Wild Birds Unlimited to ask them about uh, woodpecker? I know. Well, you know, Amazon's got the right, the right idea where they put all those, those bags of air in all of our packages, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. And Might protect our package, but boys, it drives me crazy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I love, you know, woodpeckers also have these really stiff little bits of, um, um, I guess they're little tiny feathers around the openings of their nostrils so that wood chips don't get in there. So just they have a whole bunch of interesting little adaptations based on how they how they live in the world. And, and I love to watch them. They're really fascinating. Very cool. I like to watch them when they're on trees. Coming from a guy with uh, wooden siding on his house, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I prefer hummingbirds being around here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the woodpeckers. <laughs> yeah, we definitely get a lot of those calls every year. Why is this, this woodpecker drumming on my house and how do I make him stop? And yeah, definitely a thing. So we've kind of walked through the history and the, the present day of Wild Birds Unlimited, but what's, what's the next step in terms of like marketing either technology or capabilities or features that we're looking to take advantage of, things like that? Um, what's on the horizon for like the next you know, year or two? Yeah, we're in the midst of a pretty significant uh, shift and I guess maturation really in what we're doing with digital um, we, we've started this process, oh, probably about the time of the pandemic, in all honesty, we had just started. Um, and that is, you know, we're, we, we had added Journey Builder, we we're moving into the, the Journey concept, but we've since added um, Interaction Studio and CDP. And so we're really starting to do, we've, we've implemented, I think it's about four different use cases for, for um, 
uh, Interaction Studio, an abandoned cart on our e-commerce platform, um, both a, an exit intent pop-up, you know, hey, don't forget you got something in your cart, um, along with an abandoned cart you know, email uh, retargeting. Um, we're seeing really good, strong results there uh, with, with that. Um, we've added, is, oddly enough, just a, a simple little information bar that um, is served up on our corporate website to help connect people with their local store. And what we're seeing there is that as if people have gone through that experience that's served up by Interaction Studio, we're seeing a higher average order value among those people. Um, and we really think it has a lot to do with how they've connected with the local store first. Um, so just a lot of that is, is in, the, in the works now and going live. And then um, our customer data platform, CDP, um, is really what's next. We're, we're getting ready to implement that. We're also at the same time as a system, we are um, rolling out a new point of sale system across all of our stores that's, that's cloud-based. So that's really going to give us just a tremendous amount of data that we've never had access to that we can then activate and, and really make all of our interactions with our customers a lot more personalized and relevant. That sounds, it sounds like you, you were one of those brands that I love to hear the story about, like where COVID was not a like hunker down, let's, you know, take shelter. And but this was, this was a very much like, let's get aggressive, step into it. And I, I imagine so, I mean, a lot, a lot of people spending time at home looking for entertainment, not, yep. not able to get out of the house. This is probably like, like really, you know, fortuitously right up, uh, up your alley to, to grow in, but it sounds Absolutely. like. Yeah, it sounds like at the same time between, um, you know, the sort of localization aspects uh, and, and um, targeting uh, with Interaction Studio, dynamic content capabilities, it sounds like there's a lot in front of you guys that you're just kind of, you know, picking off the, off the limbs as you go. So that sounds... Pretty much. Yeah, we were, you know, super fortunate. Um, you know, honestly, COVID and, and the whole pandemic experience is as unfortunate and scary as all that was. It was really a great accelerator, I think, for us as a brand. Um, you know, it really drove, um, uh, especially millennial age folks who we had probably struggled to reach before um, because there was sort of the perception of, oh, bird feeding, oh, that's what my grandma does, right? And and so when people slowed down enough and they were Maybe actually at home. really cool. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, but once people actually, you know, slowed down, they were home, they had time to look at their backyards a little bit, they were looking for things to do. And then they realized, oh, my goodness, this is super cool. I can really engage my kids and, and bring a little bit of nature back into our lives and not all just, you know, I'm a technology geek. I love all this stuff, too. But man, there's a point where you, you need to look at the natural world and, and change your brain a little bit. And uh, so we've been really lucky about that. And, and I think that was part of what made us really put the pedal to the metal and keep going because we, we know we've got to um, really talk to these new customers in different ways and make sure the technology helps support our efforts to do that. Chirp, chirp, us, I got one more. Hit us with another one. All right. So what color do you guys think uh, Bluebird's feathers are? I'm gonna go with anything but blue because clearly this has to be a trick question. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go. No, no, I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna stand my ground. I think it's blue. I think it's blue. Actually, they have no blue pigments in their feathers at all. 
But uh, really what's happening is that the cells of the, uh, the bluebird feather is actually absorbing every wavelength of color except for blue. And so that's why our eyes see blue. No kidding. So it's so it's kind of like well, the very reason that the sky appears blue to us Same is that it's frequency levels of of actual uh, the hue going through it. So yep, it's kind of like, like a prism when it breaks down the sunlight coming through it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Bird in, the, in the night is is just an invisible bird, right? I, I think we just dropped some knowledge on Bobby there. The sky is <laughs> the sky isn't blue. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty blue to me. <laughs> What the hell's going on, Cole? <laughs> so no, I, that's really cool. So I didn't, I didn't know that, like, you know, like, like actual the physical matter of feathers could do something like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, so Bobby, the way we, the way we see uh, the color of the sky is, um, you know, how how you, you hold a prism up to uh, up to the light, and sunlight will come through it, and it'll break down into a rainbow, and you'll see all of the colors. Um, yeah, that, be here. I have no idea what a prism is. Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me let me Google it real quick. <laughs> so, this prism or this, you know, um, are you are you googling it? Do you want to give us? The oh yeah. Thing? Oh, like a little glass triangle thing. I got right. you. Yeah. So, so it, when you hold that up to the to the light, the sunlight, you'll see the breakdown of all the colors. What actually happens in our atmosphere, which is, I think, it's something like, it's more than seventy percent nitrogen. Uh, more than 20% oxygen, and there's like argon and some pollutants and stuff like that. But what we actually see is uh, what the the sun is sending that light through. But what we see is called, I think it's called like, um, it's not reverberation, I think it's, it's vibration. Uh, but what actually happens is if there's a certain wavelength, wavelength that is trapped in, in its entirety from end to end, um, and this just kind of happens by chance, depending on like what the atmosphere or what the um, you know, or in this case, like what the, the, the cellular volume uh, of the bird's feather is, then it'll actually trap that color and radiate it. And so it looks like the surrounding is that color. What's happening in our skies, all of that is trapping the color blue, uh, a low frequency uh, wavelength, and it's kind of vibrating that color out. So every, its surroundings look like blue. Now, when all of the particles in the sky are doing that, it makes the entire sky look blue. So in this case, a blue jay's feathers, or is it blue jay or bluebird? Yeah, bluebirds. Yeah, bluebird. Sorry, uh, a bluebird's feathers are doing that exact thing. So it's not actually a color blue at all. That's pretty wild. I never knew that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we need we need to change the uh, name of this podcast to Colors with Coal. <laughs> <laughs> we both started it, so. <laughs> yeah. Colors uh, with Bo and Cole and Bobby googling what a prism is. Yes. <laughs> Bobby learning. Bo, what do you wish you knew? Something that you didn't spend a lot of time on to begin with. And I, I'm going to take email, the answer of email marketing out of it just to, you know, throw a wrench into it. But something like in your marketing tool belt that's made a huge impact that maybe at first you didn't realize was going to be such a huge uh, uplift for you guys. Oh, gosh. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things come to mind. You know, I, I think despite the fact that it was really, you know, kind of, it's always been a buzzword, but I really do think that personalization or the localization aspect of it, um, you know, kind of balancing that and, and along with kind of the brand messaging, um, I think just understanding that a customer at that local level 
is smart enough to understand that we are a brand and that we have certain brand messaging that applies to everybody, but then they want the little sprinkle on top, right? Of, of just the little local cool something that's happening. Um, and just really what a difference that makes. Cause I think when you really look at why our stores are successful, it's, it truly is a place when you walk in, they're gonna know your, your face, they're gonna know your name. They're gonna know what backyard birds you're trying to attract, what challenges you might have, um, for, you know, and, and just how technology can bridge that. You know, you think of technology as cold and impersonal and, and but you, if you do it right and you do it intentionally, you can give that same sense in a digital space. And just, I think how important that is to con continue the, really the, the brand presence with your customers. Are there other tools outside of Salesforce Marketing Cloud that you use for personalization? Um, we do some with, um, on, you know, every store has a, a website that they can do the same sort of thing with. Uh, we provide social content that they can do the same sort of thing with. So yeah, we try to carry that across multiple digital channels. Is there a, is there a provider or a platform on the website that provides them the ability to do that, that you guys use? We do. We use a um, we use a platform called it's the franchise builders is the name of the company and um, they provide a it's kind of like a content management system. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that where we can publish content for our stores to use on their web and then again they can also create their own and that's that's where we see a lot of the localized content showing up on the web. Gotcha. Okay. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been very insightful, not only on the, the marketing and technology side, but also on the, on the bird side too. Yeah, Shifting over to completely unrelated. I, I was going to do a favorite bird movie, but there's really not many of them. And I think, I think everyone kind of knows the big one, which is The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock, which not necessarily a positive film, I would <laughs> say. Right. Uh, real real um, good flick there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And everything else is basically with penguins, you know, like Happy Feet um, yep. or March of the Penguins. So I, I shifted this to favorite animal movie of all time. And just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a precursor, there's quite a few out there that I, I'd kind of forgotten about. So Jaws, you know, we don't, we don't think about sharks as animals, but mm -hmm. you know, um, and then we've also got things like Old Yellow, Old Yeller. Uh, we've got Homeward Bound, Babe, yep. Lassie, uh, Iron Will, I, Arachnophobia, I, I guess probably a bit of a stress, <laughs> but stretch, but um, Turner and Hooch, a great, a great one. Free Willy, 101 Dalmatians. So there's a, there's a ton of them. But what, uh, Cole, we'll start with you. What's your uh, favorite animal related movie? So while we're on fun facts, I'll give you a fun fact about myself. Uh, the only movies I've ever cried in are animal movies. Yeah. I don't know if that means I don't like people. I, I think I do. No, I think I love those, are, those are the right movies to cry in. Yeah, but uh, the only movies I ever cried in were, were animal movies. And it's like, you know, when, yeah, I don't know, it's just when you lose one of those little guys, oh man. Um, 
But my all time, you already you already said it. All time uh, for me is Homeward Bound. I think it was like yeah, as a kid, like the the voices, you know, Chance, uh, Shadow, Sassy, like. And here's the here's what I'm realizing though is like they had all these like, you know, uh, like surprise roles from like bears and mountain lions and all these other things, you know, and, and horses and stuff in the movie. I didn't see a lot of uh, roles for birds. And now I'm kind of feeling <laughs> like, you know, an anti-birdist, you know, bigot over here because like, there hey, you go. Out there. yeah, I said a couple, maybe flapping in the background here, there, but no actual birds. role for, you know, for birds. So I'm kind they're, of a little disappointed. Underrepresented in the movie. Yeah. World. Hey, Throw me a hummingbird in there or something. Come on. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Home, Homeward Bound was hands down my favorite movie as a kid growing up. One of my favorites of all time. What about you guys? Well, how yeah. about you? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age a little bit here. Uh, one of my earliest movie memories is an animal movie, and uh, was Benji. And I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's from the early '70s, and uh, no, and never it's, seen it. Yeah, it's it's one of those that you know it's kind of it, it, in a way it's got a lot of that Homeward Bound uh, same kind of storyline. And I still, to this day, remember there's a scene in it where he, the little Benji's a little, I don't know what he's a little terrier of some sort, and he's out on his own, and, and somebody kicks him, and he yelps. And I mean, as a little kid, it just, oh, it was awful. So uh, I still remember that. <laughs> when was the last time you caught Benji? Uh, like, I'll either either watched it, sat down, watched it, or caught it on TV, or something like that. I don't know that I have seen it since I was a little kid. And now, now that you guys have asked me this question, I'm going to have to go look it up. So I, I, I say this just because like, I feel like you should, because it like those old reactions and emotions, like they don't go away. Like, right. I, I, full disclosure, I caught uh, Homeward Bound just on TV, I don't know, probably a year ago or something like that. That part where Shadow can't get out of the pit still got me, still, still gets me. You know, I was like, oh, who's, who's pumping pollen through the vents here? This is terrible. It's like you go through all the same emotions you did when you were a kid watching it all over again. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed that nobody mentioned, you know, some, there's some big classics out there. Airbud. No one mentioned Airbud. Also, a a couple of the staples uh, Lion King, uh, Zootopia, Sing or Sing 2, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. These are all that I I would have assumed Cole would have mentioned. That that one's too new. I, I haven't seen that one. That's too new yet. Have you guys seen Bolt? Oh, no. um, that is. Uh, is good. Yep. What I don't know Bolt? if my, uh, it's a movie about a little white dog who gets lost, and I think he's voiced by John Travolta, which is kind of odd. Like it's a, you know, nothing against John Travolta, but it's just odd to see a dog voiced by John Travolta. But <laughs> um, my uh, uh, my favorite movie, uh, dog movie of all time. Uh, so, Bo, I don't know if you know this or not. I can't remember if we mentioned it before, but I have three dachshunds. Okay. And there's a movie from, I think, I believe it's 1966. Yep, 1966, called The Ugly Dachshund. I've never heard of that. And uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a family, it's a couple that has a family of dachshunds, but they also have a Great Dane who thinks <laughs> he's a dachshund. Love and it. so it's just basically, it's kind of like Beethoven, but with a Great Dane who thinks he's a dachshund. It's pretty great. Awesome. Bobby goes for the real complex indie films that, you know, we would not the mainstreamers. He's not a mainstream. Yeah. 
Well, guys, what I'm really interested in are films, pictures, if you will. <laughs> I'm not really into movies. He's a picture show so. guy. What can he say? Yeah. But, you know, if you guys want to be entertained and not really understand the elements of movies and films, I, I understand. So, well, Bo, thank you again. This was a, a ton of fun. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, as always, listeners, if you have any uh, requests or um, if you'd like to get in touch with Bo and learn more about birds, um, you can certainly reach out to her um, on LinkedIn um, or through Wild Birds Unlimited through their website. Um, but you can also reach out to us at in the clouds at leftdigital.com at any time. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>